How's it going everybody and welcome to episode number 25 of Master My Garden podcast. This week's episode is another of our open garden features. So last month we had uh, Gash Gardens and this month I'm featuring Patana Gardens in Contegan, County Wicklow. It's the garden of TJ Marr and it really is a beautiful garden. It's a nice follow-up also to, to Gash Gardens last month because they're very, very different. Gash Gardens was four acres and this one is, is quite a bit smaller. It's on a split level so there's uh, a lower sort of patio area where pots are really utilized to the max and there's a fantastic array of, of plants in pots and then you step up into what is the the main garden and there's new development going on down there and TJ also has other things going on such as a gardening course and uh, yeah as I said big new development of, of a new garden down there I visited there as a garden itself a month ago, I think it was the first Sunday that they opened once once restrictions were lifted and it was a beautiful garden then but funny enough we recorded this week in person over there and it looks totally different so it was nice to see it and how much it had changed in the month but a really brilliant garden and a great chat with TJ so let's get stuck in to this week's episode. So TJ, you're very welcome to episode number 25 of Master My Garden podcast. And uh, this is the second of the open garden type ones we've done. And I like it because it's very, very different to the first one. The first one was Gash Gardens, which was four acres, which was quite a big site. And this one is, I'm not sure exactly what size, but it's a little bit smaller. And even though there is a new development going on, which I'm sure we'll hear about, it's a little bit smaller so people can maybe... uh, visualize it and be able to replicate it a little bit easier as well so as i say you're very welcome to master my garden podcast lovely thank you john and so we're just we're walking around this is the first day for listeners most of them have been done over the phone up until now because of covid but this is an in-person interview and we're actually walking around the garden so you can hear a swift i think in the background and you'll probably hear birds and cars and so on but I think it's going to be better because we're going to get a full run through the garden and it's going to be you know in person so i think that'll add to it so maybe tj as i say you're very welcome anyway and maybe you'll start by telling us a little bit about patana garden okay thank you john for the invite to speak um myself and simon my partner we moved here about 24 years ago we came down from dublin okay so we bought this house um to simon's mum actually found this house in the evening herald back in the day when they had the <laughs> photographs and the for say a listing of houses. So we came all the way over the mountains and arrived in Kiltegan village and um, kind of just fell in love with, um, it's felt wild when you live in Dublin for a long time yeah. and you come down into West Wicklow. So I had, West Wicklow has a beautiful wildness to it. Like it's, it's very, very beautiful. So yeah, we've been here 24 years so, and the garden has been, I suppose in pro, a work in progress for those 24 years. And it's a small garden, it's only, um, it's less than a third of an acre. So it's, I think it's one of the smallest gardens open to the public okay but people relate to it for that actually they're like you know they have the sense of like it's achievable it's for achievable them for them because it's our home first and foremost yeah it was never designed to be open to the public okay and the name patana where does that name come from patana is um it's a buddhist word that i came across 
um, in a book in meditation many years ago. This house was called St. Margaret's when we bought it. Okay. Um, uh, and that had to go, St. Margaret had to go for me. So, and I came across the name um, Patana. It means to be present in the moment. And the second I read that, I just fell in love with that. For me, that's what the garden is about. Yeah. You know, when you're with the plants and the animals, you can kind of come out of your head and stop thinking and just be engaged with, with that. With, with nature and with the plants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that's, a big thing for me. That's and quite it's about where you place your mindfulness in the moment, really. Okay. And that's quite apt at the moment, given that, uh, as I just said, COVID, uh, which we're starting to come a little bit out of. But a lot of people have found gardening and, and their gardening space, whether that's you know, a small space or a large space, they've found that sort of therapeutic. So it's, it's, that makes sense, given what we've, we've just gone through over the last few months, I think. So the garden itself then, maybe you'll describe it to us and we can walk through as, as, we, as you talk and we can, we can pick up on the different areas. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure um, if it has a style or how I describe it exactly. I mean, I, I love plants and I've always loved plants and animals. So it's kind of a collection of all kind of plants. It's was native plants from all over the world, tender and exotic, all within this small space. Um, I suppose as well, it's plants that I, that I, that I'm, that I gravitate towards for okay. whatever reason. Um, it could be the colour, the scent, and I think plants have an energy of their own as well. So sometimes just attracted to certain plants. So, you know, if people ask me what's my favourite plant, I mean, there's no plant here that I don't like. Okay. And the funny thing is, people often give me plants, and when we're open on a Sunday, very often people will come in the gate and <laughs> a present of a plant, and very rarely does it find a home here in the garden. Because <laughs> you haven't it chosen past, I haven't just connected with it, or it's not a plant that I want, or yeah. maybe the colour that I want, or whatever it is. So, yeah, choosing a plant is a personal, it's a personal thing. Yeah, and so as you enter the garden through the, through the gate at the side of the house, um, you come into a nice little cobble courtyard, I guess you call it, with a very, very, very nice potting shed to the right-hand side and then uh, a sort of secluded seating area. So, and then you enter, I suppose, what, what you would call the main patio area, which is effectively into the main garden. So... Will we start to walk through and maybe you can, you can yeah. tell us about the different areas? Yeah, the potting shed is behind us. So um, actually, that's one of the, that's, that, that potting shed is used more than any room in the house nearly because it's constantly in use 12 months of the year. At the moment, it's a display of um, pelargoniums and species pelargoniums and Simon's Vintage China, of course, that he <laughs> collects and sells. But in the spring, then, we start our garden course here. I start all the seeds, all the seedlings, cuttings, you know, plants from seeds, all the annuals, the cosmos and plants I'll be using in the garden later. So it gets chock-a-block with that and starting off all the dahlia tubers, all of that would start off. And then in the autumn, all the tender stuff comes back in. So all the bananas, the cannas, of course, the dahlia tubers getting dug up and stored away. So it gets, it gets very, very um, full in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Very good. And then we pass into... So we're walking into, I suppose, what I call... Um, Maybe the main courtyard is up a little bit. Um, have a wildlife pond here on the right. And actually the pond was one of the very, very first things I put in here when we moved in here 24 years ago. So that's 24 years old. It was about nine foot by nine foot. Um, it's gradually getting shallower over the years because, you know, silt is building up. Mm-hmm. And um, last summer, last two summers, I actually thought it was leaking. But we had very dry summers. This summer it's okay. Um, and it's home to... Um, wildlife so it's frogs newts and there are no fish in it for that reason because they would eat 
they would eat everybody in it really yeah and it is a it is a wildlife pond as such like a lot of times when you see a pond people put it in and there's some form of dramatic water movement and this doesn't have water movement i don't think it doesn't no and i actually i have two stones you see the two stones up there um they're kind of over the pond and my original thought was to have water trickling down but i didn't want all the little creatures been sucked into a pump and all of that yeah and still water is beautiful yeah and you have some lovely lilies in there it's all kind of things native plants and then growing in over the over the over the pond a little bit is an acer really nice acer actually acer palmatum dissectum the purple dissectum, the so that's purple over 20 beautiful. years there even though it's very, it's only about three feet tall yeah and it comes in over the and pond lovely it comes right it over the pond that it goes lovely in red in the autumn and as we turn back around then you have which is and this is where i f- think that a lot of people can re- will be able to relate to the garden is that you have a huge amount of plants in pots of different sizes and i think people maybe if they're living particularly in, in town gardens they they might feel like they don't have a gardening space but you can see here from on the on this patio with the different size plants different size pots different colors you can achieve something quite remarkable in a small space through pots yeah i i originally i put in the pots john because i was stuck for space for plants because we have the slabs down here the patio area i just wanted more color so it started with just a collection of three or four pots and it's just got bigger and bigger and know if you're addicted to plants <laughs> and like plants that's what's going to happen and you know the last few years we've been open to the public every sunday and there's been a huge response people just gravitate to, towards the pots they can't believe it's a collection of pots because you can't actually see the pots for, for the most part yeah well um, we're, while we're up close to it here you can only see the pots literally around the front of it and then the front, yeah. and then you would think that it was a border because and it, I'm sure it has, hasn't happened by accident. You have all your smaller plants to the front and then it's like little steps up along to the to the yeah. higher dahlias and so on at the back. So It's graded towards the back. So Yeah. It was yeah. And, and of course, the plants are mingling together. I might put up a picture of that, actually, because it's a really good way of, as I say, creating a garden on what might be a, you know, a patio area at the back of a house where you're grading them up yeah it yeah. gives it gives and a even a small feature. collection of pots is, is a wonderful thing you can start with the tulips in the spring and that can keep going into winter pots so i like i like working with pots because i'm kind of using one one block of color per each pot yeah and um then as one color maybe fades or goes over i mean the diaceus here for example they've been here since the beginning of may they're still looking okay but if they do go over i can just change that pot for another pot of color for a different plant yeah and I haven't interrupted the display as such. So the elements keep changing within the, the overall composition, as it were. Yeah. And I visited here, um, I think it's four weeks ago now, and as I walked in today, the, the difference, particularly in the potted area, is huge. Obviously, there's a lot more flowers out. Uh, and it's a sunny day, which helps. The last day, there was a little bit of drizzle, but mm-hmm. it definitely looks it looks uh, very, very good today. And then you know, over to and the left. There's a lot to come, actually. Yeah. All the tragedies have to come. That, yeah. This keeps building all the time. Because originally when I started the garden, um, I wanted to, um, I suppose, garden for wildlife. Okay. So I gravitated towards late flowering plants, say in September. So the butterflies that would hibernate in the winter, you know, the tortoise shell butterflies yeah. that will hide behind your curtains and everything yeah. for the winter. So they would feed up on nectar and pollen before they go into hibernation. So I gravitated towards late summer, um, early autumn plants. Okay. And definitely that's something I, I, I was going to ask that question. Was it intentional? Because there is, as you walk up through the garden, there's a serious amount of bees, different types of bees. I've seen three or four at least different types of bees. 
butterflies and other pollinators so loads and loads of insects so there, there was an intention there to, loads to, to loads attract insects, those in yeah. in the first place yeah even though there are exotic plants here and even double flower plants a lot of them i, ch- I choose if an insect loves a plant i i I automatically love that plant. Okay, <laughs> so it was an intention. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and especially now in these times. Yeah. I mean, we have to garden consciously. Like so that. As you, as you turn back away from from the house, then uh, you're you're met with uh, kind of a double stairs left and right, and you have a beautiful bed in the middle with geranium. You know. And Thompson. That's Anne Thompson. And Thompson. In front. That's a fantastic geranium. It's sterile. So. Th- so um, that starts to flower in May, okay. and that will go right into November, non-stop flowering. So for me, in a small garden like this, I want plants that will, you know, in a small space, will put on a really good performance. You know, and not just flower for three or four weeks, yeah, and, and, then and then there's a space left. Yeah. So I kind of go towards a lot of plants, and indeed a lot of them are sterile, like geranium rosanne, some of the gems, some of the lictrums. So they're sterile, which means, of course, they don't produce seed. So they flower for months and months, and that's really important here. So that'll look great all summer long. That's good. And Anne Thompson, actually, Jerry uh, Harford mentioned it in the last episode or second last episode that it can be quite floppy in a bed. But here it works perfectly because it's actually hanging over a granite wall. I have it over a load. The, the wall is about maybe two feet, so yeah. it's planted right in the front and it's cascading right over down the front. to the ground. So it looks fantastic like yeah, that. Yeah, it's superb. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, like that. and of course, it weaves its way through other plants as well. Yeah, it's great. So there are three plants there actually. There, there are only three plants there. Yeah, and they're covering a space of maybe yeah, yeah. Ten, maybe ten and foot. And flowering. Like you know, for nearly big part of the year, yeah, seven, so seven, really eight months. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good doer. Brilliant. And so we, we'll move up along the stairs, then towards the left, um, and the garden opens up into a couple of beds yeah, that are. We're passing, we're passing all kind of plants here up to the pots. Some plants are in borders here. There's a fuchsia there from Bolivia. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful fuchsia boliviana with the long red flowers. I've never seen that plant before. I don't I think it's and really nice. on it as well. This is, um, I have two island beds up here. This is what I call kind of the top garden, really, when we get up. And there's two island beds. And up to last year, one of these island beds had shrubs in it and it had um, a birch in it. And last autumn, I made the decision to take them out because I wanted to open up the, the, the colour. So your eye would kind of travel across one colour behind another colour. So, so this bed here in front of us, it's dahlias. There's all kind of things in here. But it's brand new this year. So that's... It's beautiful. It's what you achieve in a year, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. Dahlias and species dahlias. So there's up nearly six feet, some of those. Yeah, definitely. And seed. This is the bed that I was saying. There's a, a lot of pollinators in around a it, and they're, and they're still buzzing away here at, at six o'clock in the evening. Yeah, and, and all single flowers, you see, so. Single flowers, which are better for them. Yeah. And, and the beds up here seem to be done by colour. So in this particular one, we're looking at a lot of oranges, and then the one to the left is a lot of reds and, and purples, pinks and, pinks and purples. Yeah. And then we've gold, gold and orange behind us. So yeah, I've always kept, I think people find yellow a very tricky colour to use in the garden. And it is a tricky colour to use. Um, I think certain shades of yellow are more difficult than others. But for that, I love yellow. I, I think yellow is a fantastic colour. So I kind of, I keep the, my, all my yellows together in a border. Yeah. So they're not mixed up in, you know, different mauves and pinks and oranges, which gets a little bit chaotic, chaotic looking. But my newest thought is to move them all into the new garden, actually. Okay. But that could change, of course. <laughs> change. That's the beauty but of it, um, I suppose, is that but, you're... But, even, but this, is a, this is a narrow little border, but that starts in late April, May, with all the tulips. You'll have seen photographs of the tulips, yep. the Dordogne tulips and everything. So that's been working really hard. And it's only about seven foot deep. 
but that's been working really hard from about um, late April and it'll go right into November, just layers of colour. Yeah, so and as one plant dies down, there's other stuff coming up. So there's all crocosmia coming through at the moment. Look for later. See that, yeah, beautiful. Um, where tulips would have been before. So just layers of colour all the time coming. That's important in a small garden. You know, that an area isn't suddenly finished and, and there it is over until next year. Yeah, it's there's something else coming, at least very close to the plant that's gone over. Yeah. So it carries that, the colour. Yeah, and you have a lot of, much like what you've done with the pots, you have your, your grading, you have uh, your smaller pot plants and then grading back up into the bigger ones. And then you can see ones peeping through that you might necessarily even think they're there. So, yeah. That's yeah it's, it's quite subtle in areas of planting. Yeah. I like that, that you have to look closely at planting as well. You know, initially what looks like just a group of yellow plants, when you're close, there could be three or four yeah, shades exactly. of yellow, all different plants. Yeah, you're seeing something and popping through. I like that because you have to engage closer with the garden you yeah. can't you know just you just don't um pass by and say there's a yellow whatever it is yeah beautiful. closer inspection there's other plants and just to, to go back to the bed that is i suppose the the more orange type colors um deadheading here oh yeah as, as i speak a bit of deadheading going on it's great um yeah actually have some edibles in this bed yeah. and Funnily enough, there's a chard over there with a really vivid red stem that looks beautiful. Yeah, it's fantastic. There's a fennel plant. And um, I had an organic um, a guy who grows organic vegetables here a few weeks ago, and he said, let it go to flower and seed. Because look, this, the stem of the chard gets twisted. It's like rhubarb or something. Look yeah. Man, and it gets twisted and gnarled, but it looks fantastic, doesn't it? Yeah, the taller stem is, is twisted and gnarly, and then yeah, the bottom yeah. ones are just so red. So red, it's uh, fantastic. And the leaf is even nice on them. Yeah. So it's it's unusual to see it, especially in you know in, in beside dailies and so on, and it looks yeah. it looks brilliant. So people grow them in uh, with their vegetables and everything, but but actually like it's really earning its keep here, and of course if the color the color of the stem is red all the time. I think people people always con concentrate on the flower for color for flowers for color, yeah. but actually the, the color can come from um, the bark, the leaves, the stems. I mean the flower is very fleeting, like you might get three days out of the flower, yeah. but that stem will be there right It'll up be to there. you know for months. And this is great. Look at this, the tree spinach. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. It's I don't know. What the, I can't remember the Latin name, but it's tree spinach magenta is the cultivar. Yeah. So it uses a salad leaf, but the new, the new leaves at the top are this cerisi pink. And I think everybody comes into the garden on Sunday. It's like, what's the plant up there? And I know it straight away. It's this yeah. plant. Um, tree spinach isn't absolutely it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. And yeah you have a I got that from a local organic grower with the chard. I was up um, collecting our, our our veg one day, and I said, what are those? So he gave me little babies of them back in April or May or something. They're lovely. They go really fast. Yeah, and again, it's it's unusual. And then you have yeah. a couple of herbs as we come around the corner as well. And you wouldn't necessarily see them with, uh, you know, the the dahlias and so on. As, as, it's a as mix you have of... Yeah, it's great. And exotic things, echiums, um, pseudopanics. The sea hollies. There's all kind of things, sea hollies, yeah. yeah it's brilliant. So then into probably what at this point in time looks like the most dramatic from a colour point of view um, bed which is reds purples and pinks um, and there's a plant here with almost catkin likes and I'm not sure what it is that is sanguisorba lilac squirrel wow beautiful lilac plant squirrel. isn't it a lovely thing yeah um, long Cur curtains of um, like, like boas yeah <laughs> and they're yeah they're just yeah. catkins pink catkins yeah. essentially five or six yeah. inches long hanging down a over, lovely thing over. beautiful and thelictrum thelictrum splendid behind which is beautiful, a lovely plant because you can plant it in the front of a border, the middle or the back is a see-through. And that's Thelictrum um, splendid, which is sterile. So that flowers for about four months here. 
Okay. So again, a really good doer in a small. Yeah, town. tall. Like it's so eight, eight foot tall, but yeah, it's it's not blocking out everything behind it. It is. Yeah, it's beautiful. You can see through it a lot of. And lot most of plants still have to flower here. This will be kind of August before this really starts going. Yeah. All the flocks have to come. Um, loads of salvias, the persicarias have all to come still. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, Astro little Carlo, that'll be just loads of blue. Um, the monk's hood at the back. See, so yeah, most of this is still to flower. That's why it's changing. As I say, I was here a month ago and it, it looked very different. Um, we have a robin coming in to join us here oh, now as well. Baby robin, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to tame him. <laughs> um, so, a lot, and a lot of the plants here, you're grown from seed yourself. And I know we'll talk about the new garden in a little while and, and there is plans there for a, a polytunnel which will allow you more space for propagation. But um, dahlias particularly, you're, you're, you're growing a lot of those yourself from seed. From seed, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. it's not something that people do very much. People don't think of growing dahlias from seeds and they, they can't believe it. Like I start my dahlia seeds off in um, March. Okay. So they have flowers by July. And then by October when the frost hits them or November, I'll dig them up or take them out of the pots if I have them in pots. And they will have a tuber for storing yep. um, in the winter. Now two of them have already flowered. Um, this year one is a lovely deep chocolatey flower so that's fantastic uh, but then one has a really it was kind of a, a muddy orange and red and that's going into the compost heap oh, but you just don't know what you're going to get yeah it's, br it's brilliant that, they, that you can it's, do it in one season I don't yeah, think that yeah. many people know that you can do that and these two you see this one here with the lovely um, burgundy leaf and the real cerisi flower that's yeah. beautiful look at the bumblebee feeding on it at the moment and this very tall orange one with a green leaf they were actually two, two um, seeds from the same seed pod on the same plant from the same plant completely different result wow isn't that fantastic amazing Tajade cinnabar that's a really good plant flowers forever and ever what was that name again cinnabar that's from Dix, um, Great Dixter Garden in, in England Christopher okay. Lloyd's Garden uh, Linaria Linaria peachy this is a lovely plant and I was um, I was telling you earlier that I cut it back really hard yeah because um, it gets really tall here and, uh, and then when it rains, it tends to, the whole plant just tends to flop around the place and it gets very messy. So when it's about halfway, well, half its height, I cut it really hard back halfway and it comes from the basin, side shoots everywhere. Yeah. So the whole planting is lower, which is more in scale with the other plants because I don't want to get too tall. And you, you only so cut this back in May? It was even later, it was June or something. Oh, and so it, when it's still flowering, and the bees love it, all the baby bumblebees love that. Yeah, it's growing really well, it looks healthy yeah, and there's a lot, lot of flower yeah, on lovely it. Lovely so, thing. Yeah. Oh, the crocosmias are just coming. The heleniums, I love the heleniums. They're lovely this time of year into August, Beautiful. September. That's Sahan's early flower. And the one here on our right is Morhim Beauty. And again, it's, you're it's growing these from seed? Um, no, they're not from seed, no. But I divide those in the spring or the autumn. I actually do all my divisions in the autumn. Okay which I'm dying to do uh, this autumn because we have the new garden so yeah, yeah. I'm dying to get going on that space to fill um, yeah so we get loads of plant yeah. and of course when, I, when you divide them when I divide them in the autumn I still get a sense of the height and the colour of everything so when I go to place those somewhere new I still I can see the height and the colour okay. because I think a lot of people divide plants in March and you're trying to remember what the height what it looks like the shade of the colour yeah. and sometimes you think two plants are going to work well but actually in reality they don't tonally they're, they're wrong with each other or something so when I do it in September, I can I can walk around. Um, I can pick, I often pick a flower as well, and I'll walk around and I'll match it up and go. Actually, that looks great with that. Okay. And then in September, I'll take note of that in my diary, and then in September, I will put them beside each other when I divide them. Very good, good idea. You're an artist as well, so I guess I'm that's a painter. Yeah, yeah a painter. So I guess that's where 
that's where that comes and, in. And fussy about colour. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, then you might tell us a little bit about uh, your your new garden that's just literally at the early stages of development. It is. It's a, it's um, a plot next door to us that came up for sale, uh, which made us very nervous because I thought, God knows what's going to happen. And of course, you can see we have a view through the hedgerow to the church, which which is which is beautiful. So we were lucky that we could actually buy it. So we're starting a brand new garden from scratch. Lovely. Yeah. Excite. It's, exciting and it's and it's daunting because it's actually a much bigger space than the space i have already um, bigger than the current space it is much bigger okay i was going to say and it was, it was about the same size again but it, um, it, no it's actually bigger wow and this is very detailed so um but i have some volunteers starting to help me which is fantastic that's great i put it out on our facebook and loads well we have our students as well and loads of them want to volunteer here that's great it's learning for them in that as well yeah it's great as well that so, uh, i suppose that somebody has visited it before and obviously it changes month to month, but if somebody has visited before now, going into next year, I guess they'll have a brand new garden to look at, which... Yeah. Um, which is... And I'm not even sure what it's going to be yet. Yeah, I know. Yeah. My ideas <laughs> keep changing, and but that's what's interesting about gardening. That's great. You're picking a colour palette, and, and of course it's very cold out there, it's windy, so it has its challenges. Yeah, it's the probably soil different is, than in here then, because... I think it will be, and I think because we have out there I've always um, I was saying this to my students the other day I've always kind of leaned away from big tropical leaves here even though I love them okay. because they take up a lot of say floor space yeah. but they drown out a lot of plants because they're so wide yeah. so I've always tend to go for more vertical narrower plants because it's a smaller garden whereas now I can grow big dramatic things at least in here I can because I have the space next door so um, yeah okay so that's, uh, that's exciting so you've you've mentioned and we'll, we'll come on to your, your garden your garden course in a minute um but new garden to open roughly when do you think next next spring the new garden yeah oh <laughs> i don't know that's probably a big ask but i kind of think i could do it as well okay you know there's houses out there i need to soften and all of that but that's a time thing but there's no reason in the world i couldn't create a border like that on some scale yeah. it'll be a lot of work it'll be a lot of propagation it'll be a lot of that but um yeah, but I kind of I like the challenge of that as Good. well. And <laughs> I, we we spoke earlier about and and you've kind of mentioned it at the start of of, of the interview. Uh, I was going to ask what was your favorite plant, and you mentioned that they're all your favorites. So yeah, they are all my favorites. I, I won't ask that question, but maybe yeah, I'll ask all of, all if there's one plant that you will just have to have in the new garden. What would that plant be? Oh, in the new garden, um, I think I'll have a lot of single dahlias. Okay. I mean, they're just so good. I mean, flowering from June up to the frosts. From, I mean, they're alive with insects all the time. And because these are from seed, there's no chemicals on them. Mm. So they're getting really good nectar and pollen. Yeah. And, and they look fantastic. I mean, look, yeah, those fan- big discs of colour. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, they look beautiful out there. Yeah. So they're just a plant that you just wouldn't be without yeah, and any summer. I suppose from, from a, a gardening perspective, they're seriously good value for money, like a packet of seeds. Yeah, yeah, they're very good. Or you can go around and ask. What I've done is I go to other gardens. If they've good dahlias, can I take seeds of them if, if it's in the autumn? Yeah. And I'll save seeds of these. Um, I suppose the issue in the past is slugs, slugs like dahlias. Love People them. ask me that all the time. How do I deal with slugs? And what I do is I tend to I start the tuber off in a, in a pot in the spring. Okay. In a plastic pot, black plastic pot. And then after about, it's about two foot tall then I can move it into the garden. And at that stage, the stem has hardened off and, you know, you might get some damage on the leaves, but the plant is much safer. Yeah, because so there is minor little bits of, of slug 
visibility You're there. Very but, observant. but it's not much. It's Only a tiny little bit. Yeah, John. It's a tiny bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's and and it's. Yeah. But I mean, they're worth it. But people often think um, their dahlias don't come back from year to year if they leave them in the ground. But actually, that's very often, you know, the dahlias just peeping out of the ground and the slugs graze them at soil level. Okay, so they never come but, up the second yeah, year. Yeah, but actually, more often, they do come up. There's a sl- the slugs graze them at that height because they're yeah. really soft. And that's why I start them off in pots and then put them into the border in about okay, two so or two and a half feet or whatever. You're holding and there's them a stronger plant. stronger, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, good idea. Um, just a, a, an interesting feature. You, for, for a relatively small garden, you have... Uh, quite a substantial compost bin. Well, we have a rich soil here as well. And there's all the clippings, the deadheading goes in all the time. Um, yeah, it's amazing what goes into it. And you need a bigger one for next door. You will do, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, so the, the gardening course, um, you've mentioned a little bit there. So maybe just tell us about that. Yeah, the gardening course is in its third year now. Okay. Um, we s- well, this year has been a little bit different because we had to stop with COVID and now we're catching up again we've started back again but usually it's um, a nine month course so it's one three hour class um, one day a month for the nine months three hour class starting in March going right through to November so in March for example we start with all our seeds for the garden because for me March is kind of the start of the growing season and then we follow the garden through um, the course of the summer into the autumn say planting juleps even in November and everything in between I do a whole class on colour and how to use colour you know, colour has an emotional effect on us as well and yeah. how to use colour in the sun and the shade and you know colour against colour how colour reads again how one colour would read against another colour um, creating spaces in the garden getting the most from the garden really I do a whole class on pot displays that's what we're doing in the morning with the students in the morning that's a big topic getting that going and started and the feeding and the soil mixes and, and keeping it going right until the frost, choosing the plants that will give you the most. Um, so it's a little bit of everything based on this. It's an, an interesting course. So it's a three-hour course once a month for the months March through to November. Yeah, three-hour class, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose for, for people doing that course, it's um, it's a great chance to see the, the garden evolving and it's easy for them then to replicate that back to their own it is, garden. It changes. Every month they come, the garden has completely changed. Yeah. Another, they can't believe that. It's just another layer of plants. You know, like, say for be, behind us, for example, in the spring, that was all muscarias and, and hellebores and it was all tulips. Now at the moment you see it's all um, nautias and eupatoriums and vronicastrums, um, monkshoods, all in the same space. Yeah. So just layers of plant underneath the soil all, all the time. That's good, and uh, yeah, and, and as I said, we're able to, to replicate that back home then. And the course then is is obviously for, for we're recording this in July, so it's um, it's finished booking no bookings for this year, but it's full for this year. But yeah. we're actually already taking names for next year. So they they phone and they just give me their name at the moment. Um, when people come in on a Sunday, people know about it and they ask for their name to be put down. That doesn't mean they're on the course. It means I get back to them in November and see that they still want to be added. And then we start our, I take to fill up the classes then. Very good. And it's geared towards um, complete beginners. Like there's very plants people on the course who are very good plants people. And there are people who have no idea. But I just think this course is for everybody. So I cover very basic stuff and then it gets quite, you know, 
it's detailed as well. And you have a new polytunnel yeah. coming, coming yeah, which, will, very exciting. which will make can, it easier. I can grow all kind of things. Yeah. Actually, we're in front of the bananas here at the moment. These bananas went out um, kind of in mid-May. And do you remember, John, we got um, a frost in mid-May? I do. About three nights later yeah. after I put out those. But they had to come out because I had no space in the potting shed we have at the moment because all the seedlings were coming on. I was pricking them out. And, I mean, something had to come out. So it was the, some of the cannas and bananas, and of course, they got hit. But they're back again. They're back again. They look, they look very good. Yeah. Uh, I'll have more room in the new. That was a ber- very bad frost at that time, and yeah. we had a lot of damage where we, we are have more as well. room in the new pot in the new tunnel, so I won't be forced to yeah. have to put people out before they're before they're ready. Um, so that's pretty much a, a walk through the garden, and as I say, for anybody that hasn't visited, it's a fantastic garden uh, on a smaller scale than than as I say, Gash Gardens, which we covered in the first episode of this type. Uh, so very much attainable for anybody, and uh, yeah, beautiful, really beautiful, and. As you've said, TJ, it has changed even in the month since I was here. So I can imagine for somebody coming on the course, it'll change regularly and, and look look different every time. Um, maybe you'd tell people where they can find you. Obviously, you're in Kiltegan. We're in Kiltegan Village. Um, we're getting a sign made at the moment, a proper sign. Very good. Every Sunday I put out um, kind of a homemade kind of a sign. <laughs> but we're right in the village of Kiltegan, opposite the village green. So it's a two-story house. But I have every Sunday I have um, um, a sign outside. And then online, where can, where can people find you? Um, we have our Instagram page, Botanic Garden on Instagram. We have um, a Facebook page. I take all the photographs. And there's, there's uh, beautiful photographs uh, every And week I'm not and technical uh, with a camera. When I, he would say, I'm a painter, so I compose the composition and the colours together and all of that yeah. before I take the photograph. And we have a web page, BotanicGardenIreland.com. You have to put in the Ireland. Okay. Because it's Botanic Garden in India. I think. Yeah, well, I'll, put, I'll put all the links in the show notes anyway so that people can easily find you. Um, but TJ, it has been, uh, as I say, it's a beautiful garden. has changed since I was here a month ago. So again, it's, it's, it looks different and it's something new to see. But for anybody that hasn't visited, it's a fantastic garden and well worth a, a visit. So TJ, thank you very much uh, for coming on Master My Garden podcast. Thanks, John. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So that's been this week's episode, uh, a really great chat with TJ. And I quite liked the fact that we were walking around the garden and you can hear you can hear the birds in the background and it's it's a it's a little bit easier than than doing it over the phone so yeah as i say a great great uh, great chat the garden itself i think i said it earlier it's absolutely fantastic it changes regularly so as i say i was there a month ago it looks totally different when i visited this week and i suppose takeaway points for gardeners the amount of colour that TJ is getting from different plants that he has grown from seeds. So he had lots of dahlias which he has grown from seed and they are, you know, they're all two, three foot tall and all starting to come into to flower now and you wouldn't believe that they were actually only sown in March of this year. So it just goes to show that you can, you can really, you don't have to spend a huge amount of money if you know how to propagate from seed. He had, um, as I say, a whole array of pots with different sizes and colours in them, and they, they mesh together brilliantly. And we mentioned it a couple of times during the interview. You would you would know that he was an artist. His his attention to colour and matching up of colours was absolutely brilliant. And it's definitely I wouldn't necessarily have an eye for for matching colours the way he does, but you could just see it. Everything just just blended together really really well. And uh, the fact that the beds were color coordinated you know really stood out and as I said they look a lot different even since I was there a month ago 
but a fantastic garden and really worth checking out if you're anywhere in the area and I think that gardening course sounds like something that's really interesting you know something that you're you're doing over uh, whatever it is a six month period and a couple of hours on a Saturday and you're going to see the whole process of how you sow your seeds in March and then end up with your flowers through July August September so that sounds like a great course so anyone interested in that check it out I'll put the all of TJ's and all of Patana's uh, links into the show notes so you can check out those there and yeah really really huge thanks to TJ for coming on it was a brilliant chat and that's pretty much this week's episode hope you enjoyed it and until the next time happy gardening